Give the secret handshake. Check your cloaks and remove your tinfoil hats. This is the Illuminati Social Club. The podcast you don't want they to know about. This is bullshit. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of this Illuminati Social Club in Search of uh, Series. I'm your host, Alien Coffee Ground, also known as Jason. You can call me Jason. And I am joined, as I was in the first episode, by Oliver Rockside. Oliver. Hey, uh, how are you? Good. And, Always a pleasure. And Steve, uh, how do you pronounce your last name again? Cloutier. Clortier. 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 Clue. Clue. Okay. Clue. <laughs> Clue. Clotier. Okay. One of these. That was nickname as a kid. Clue. <laughs> it's French. Okay. Well, welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the first episode in In Search of, not the specials. Um, I'm thinking we could do like a Christmas special where we talk about the. Uh, the the pre episodes the the uh, Rod Serling hosted uh, episodes of this show. Those I, I have not watched them yet, um, but I'm sure they are fascinating, just by the titles. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, episode two is called uh, "Strange Visitors," and also on YouTube it is also called. Um, I think it's the or- Oracle, the, the Oracle, Oracle chamber. chamber. Yeah. And this one talks about um, Mystery Hill, which, um, oh, what was the name? What, what was uh, Mystery Hill later known as? Um, America's Stonehenge, I think. Yes. It got rebranded. <laughs> Stonehenge. So, yeah, this, uh, it starts off with... Um, Robert Stone, who who bought the part, you know, he bought this this mysterious site, this mystery hill, for uh, scientific uh, examination and um, tourism. So I'm wondering if he might have some, uh, you know, ulterior motives here. Um, commercial, you're thinking commercial, right? <laughs> Uh, huh? Commercial? Oh. Commercial oh pro- probably. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> so um I, I have written down here in my notes after after uh watching this episode. Well while watching this episode, there is a lot of the uh yeah, the, the great uh fallacy of argument from authority. It's a lot of, there are a lot of people in this episode who are introduced as, um, as having certain degrees that, uh, when you, when you look into it, they really don't have, um, the episode, the episode itself. And I, and I, I want to start off uh, right away with the episode was uh, written and produced by uh, 
Hans Holzer, who is also in the episode as the archaeologist who is investigating Mystery Hill. And he, according to this, he's an archaeologist, but according to his biography, he, um, he started studying archaeology, but then uh, when his family moved from Austria uh, early on, I think it was before World War II, uh, he came to uh, America and studied uh, parapsychology, which is a bit of a stretch from archaeology. Just a bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reading about him, and, you know, the this is uh, Robert Stone's, like, personal archaeologist and scientist in research here. I'm wondering if there's a maybe a little financial stake here by both of them in, you know, making this into something. I don't know. Uh, maybe a little conjecture on my part. Of course, the whole show is conjecture, so... Can I bring up the name Ken Ham as oh, the God. creation musician? It's the same. It's the same thing. It's it's just the same thing. Yes, yes, it is. It's somebody with a University of Phoenix degree, uh, and it, it, it says they're an expert. I mean, mm-hmm. you're right about this. It's 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 this fallacy of having a, a PhD after your name. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Steve. Uh, but um, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the only authority I have comes from my PhD. <laughs> no, but the th- but the thing is, is that you know as well as I do that there are some PhDs, depending on where they got it from, that really are not experts in anything. No, sure. you know, and this is coming from someone who has a high school education. So I apologize. <laughs> well, even yes, the, even there's the assumption that you have a PhD in one thing makes you an expert in another. Mm-hmm. Like I have a PhD in literature. Right. I can talk about science and stuff like that, but that's not my expertise. Right. right? And I, and I think uh, that's yeah. I think that's Jason's point: is that this this dingbat doesn't has no knowledge of archaeology outside of what maybe, you and I know about archaeology. It seems right. right. Maybe a semester of coursework, and that's about it. And, yeah. and we're not even, we're not even necessarily sure that he actually has a PhD because nobody's been able to track down where his PhD is from. Mm-hmm. He claimed it was from the London College of Applied Science, but nobody's sure if that was a real place or not. <laughs> and I, I actually stumbled across an interview with his daughter, and she said that the place no longer exists. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so it's so a not, not, not only. Is he using a PhD as sort of his authority? But he may not even actually have a PhD. I mean, it's easy to say you have a PhD without having one. Well, right. Steve, seriously, in that, especially in that time when no one could really check, it wasn't it wasn't exactly. the, the hardest thing. It was wasn't the easiest thing in the world to check. Exactly. Right. You know, now it's it's a, it's an internet search. But back in the seventies, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I I could even argue even at that time, you know, thinking. You know, he was born in, what, 1920, mm-hmm. so it was possible that he was getting his Ph.D. during the war in London, Blitz. You know, it is, it's even possible that he could have said, well, you know, my my records got, bur- got burned, got, yeah. Got burned, in, in, you know, so there's a lot of 
ways in there that he could sort of fake his way through stuff. Yeah, the other thing that has to be said, Jason, and this may be my own ignorance speaking, mm-hmm. but I I like to think that I'm a kind of a fan of these kind of things, like the Nazca lines, right? Uh, of course, the pyramids, Stonehenge, which I'm sure we're going to get to uh, in this episode. Um, I'd never even heard of this place. And I've been Me to neither. New Hampshire many times. I've never even heard of it. Hmm. Um, so this was the first thing that kind of twigged me is like, why are they doing a show on something that's not really known in hmm. these kind of circles? Now, somebody who's big into this may have heard of it before, but uh, I, I w- it was a mystery. And can I ask a second question? Sure. That I noticed. What is the turtleneck budget for this show? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, that's all Nimoy wears. <laughs> it's like, sorry. <laughs> but, I, oh. but, but seriously, I'd never even heard of, I'd never even heard of this place. I've, I've been to New Hampshire many times. I've never even seen a sign that says hmm. this way. To, I mean, to, to Mystery Hill or America Amer- Stonehenge. Because I would have been there in two seconds flat. America's... It's not even a hinge. It's not even a hinge. No. Because a hinge is a, is a circular is right. a stone. This isn't right. a circular stone. This is like a building. Somebody was creating a building or something like that. So so it's not even a not even a hinge. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You've heard of fake you've heard of fake news. This is a fake hinge. Mm-hmm. Uh so yes, it is uh there, there is a historical, uh, let's see, a marker established by the New Hampshire Division of Historical Resources. Um, yeah, let's see. The, uh, the marker says, and I quote, four miles east on Route uh, 111 is a privately owned complex of strange stone structures bearing, bearing similarities to early stonework found in Western Europe. They suggest an ancient culture may have existed here more than 2,000 years ago. Sometimes called America's Stonehenge, these intriguing chambers hold a fascinating story and could be remnants of a pre-Viking or even Phoenician civilization. Can we get to this, to the 3,000-year-old part? Is this where where Professor Comover, the sequel, comes in? (laughs) I forget now. Yes, he is the one who who believes that it is um uh that that it was the Phoenicians who who somehow some way uh in their little fishing boats got blown across the ocean to America. Well, I mean that that is entirely possible, but the theory <laughs> I, I sorry sorry about this, but spoiler alert. The theory just goes completely to to ground when they carbon date a piece of charcoal that they mm-hmm. found within the building structure. Right. Well, the charcoal doesn't have to. The charcoal ended up carbon testing at about three thousand years old. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the carb that the piece of charcoal and the actual structure are the same age. Right. That just means that they may have built it on a campfire mm. that they didn't know about. <laughs> like the two, the two, they use this piece of charcoal to carbon date the whole 
the whole structure when the mm-hmm. two can are can be completely unrelated. Like I mean, yeah. there may have been there may have been First Nations people there three thousand years ago who built a fire, and this is backfill. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? The two mm-hmm. aren't related. And, and the fire may not even been human created. It could have been a forest fire. Yeah, very, very well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't prove that. It just proves that something that was burned is there. Yeah. But the thing about the 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 uh, uh, the the Vikings or whatever getting on a boat, the port they even bring up the Portuguese, the poor Portuguese, <laughs> you know, well, why do they get lumbered in with this? Got got lost on their boats. I mean, that's possible. But by by the way, uh, Professor Comover, as as uh, you so fittingly referred to him. And I must say that his comb-over is much more impressive than than Professor Comover number one in our last episode. (laughs) That is spectacular. Uh, Yes, the the gentleman's name is Barry Fell. He is introduced in the uh, show as a Harvard archaeologist. Now, (laughs) let's... uh, As I have mentioned, as I mentioned, I believe last week... um, um, a lot of the credentials given on the show are not, uh, not necessarily the actual ones. Oh, this is um, interesting. Okay. So Barry Fell was a professor of invertebrate zoology at the Harvard Museum of Comparative Zoology. So he wasn't at, oh, okay. So he, he, he wasn't actually on staff at Harvard University. No. Uh, his primary professional research included starfish and sea urchins. Okay, this is right up Steve's alley. Okay, Steve, semantics, go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Harvard's in the title, title, so therefore, you know. uh, Um, Sorry, go ahead. uh, Well, he he was... uh, uh, apparently he was a, he was an accomplished marine biologist at Harvard University. Oh, okay. Yes. But he is best known for three books which claim that many centuries before Christopher Columbus reached America, uh, Celts, Basques, Phoenicians, Egyptians, and others were visiting North America. Well, we know that the Vikings did because they came oh, right, yeah. right right around the corner from where Steve lives. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, in Newfoundland. So, I mean, oh, that's the other thing. Did someone pronounce it Newfoundland during the episodes? Yeah, I think so. I think I made a note here. Newfoundland. Yeah, I did. Newfoundland. <laughs> Maybe they meant Newfoundland. Yeah. Okay, we're back to the creation musician. Museum again. <laughs> um, but this is this has been known for ages that the Vikings ended up in North America. In the 10th century, 11th century, somewhere around mm-hmm. there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but even then, they didn't like go across open water. They went up like ice, Iceland, Greenland. Mm-hmm. They, they sort of, you know, found how the sort of coastlines of various lands, rather than sort of going th- across the open ocean. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I I grew up in Nova Scotia, which is right by the ocean with a lot of fishermen, and fishermen tend not to do that because 
you know, a lot of fishermen die as a result of that, right? And right. That's, yes. Yeah. That's, that's why the Vikings went the way they did. That's why they're in Newfoundland is because that's the first place in what is now Canada that they came to when they were on that path. On that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And but I don't know. I don't know, Jason. I don't understand how a, a professor of zoology ends up talking about carbon. Me neither. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Um, as I said, he, you know, he is introduced as an archeologist, um, a survey. This is according to Wikipedia, a survey of 340 teaching archeologists in 1983 showed 95.7% had a negative view of Barry Fell's claims. <laughs> consider considering them pseudo archeology. 2.9% had a neutral view, and only 1.4% had a positive view regarding them as factual. Again, shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he really doesn't... Well, nobody cites anything. Nobody, nobody cites any research in this, obviously. Of course, it's a 22-minute TV show, so you're not going to... You know, they, they really can't, you're not really getting exhaustive research in this, in this show. So, well, the other thing is, is that it, the, the research that they present really doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they talk about how the stones are aligned to mark the seasons, right? Well, I'm sorry, but a place like New Hampshire, uh, the weather kind of tells you what the seasons are. I think mm-hmm. they would have learned that. I mean, if they came from ancient Greece, maybe they would need <laughs> markers for seasons. But in New Hampshire, it's pretty well defined what seasons are. So that doesn't really make any sense whatsoever. Because if there were people living there, why would they want to mark the seasons uh, when they're already self-evident? That's that's number one. Hmm. The second thing is that they make a big, big thing. And you and I and Steve have have actually looked at uh, you know the 21st century oracle. Wikipedia yes. to know what actual see you're 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 burying the lead here, Jason, because we all know actually what they've discovered about this place. Um, Ooh, I know. That? Didn't you read the Wikipedia article on it? Uh, it was built in the 17th century, for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh, um, um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, they make a big thing about this underground uh, altar and, you know, the Oracle's chamber. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's every religion known to mankind had oh, yeah. something like that. Oh, yeah. So that doesn't make it anything special anyway. What they seem to be proposing is that because it's been made with by Masons, mm-hmm. that it's actual stonework, that this mm-hmm. is what relates it to the European colonial times or further mm-hmm. on back. Like mm-hmm. they bring the First Nations into this in Arizona for some strange reason. Were they trying to postulate that that you know the Navajo moved all the way from New Hamp to New Hampshire, <laughs> and they couldn't find any adobe, and that's why it couldn't be the couldn't be the First Nations people? <laughs> like it, that part doesn't make sense to me at all. And then we get to Stonehenge, which I love. <laughs> I, I think this is just somebody trying to uh, trying to make a buck or two. Well, they prove their point by bringing up Stonehenge and the fact that Druids... Now, I have I tried to go to Stonehenge, but unfortunately, I didn't know this at the time. I went in June, and you can't mm-hmm. get within 50 miles of Stonehenge without being a card-carrying Druid. 
right uh, during during summer solstice, right? You should you should have printed out your own card. I know. Well, I, I should have just prayed to a bush. I would have been God. I would have gotten through. Um, <laughs> but the Druids had nothing to do with Stonehenge, so using them as an example <laughs> is again defeating the purpose of saying that that the peoples and the structure are interlinked. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we know for a fact now that those stones and Stonehenge came from Wales way beyond before Druids were ever even a thing. <laughs> The, the Druids just co-opted it. So making that point makes no sense in the actual narrative of the show either. <laughs> That's what kind of left me a little head-scratching at the end. <laughs> uh, and that's the fun of this show, isn't it? It is, because, it, it again, what we said last week was that this, this has the intellectual standards of a 10-year-old, which is mm-hmm. all when we left the show, which was oh, yeah. perfect. <laughs> I, was, I was five years old, five or six. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was around, uh, probably seven years old when the show finally went off the air. And to be truthful to told, I just watched it to begin with because Nimoy was on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh know, yeah. It was, it was Mr. Well, Spock I, telling I think that's why they got him. Spock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like he was doing anything else. I mean, he did a Columbo episode. Sorry, Steve. I had to bring that up. And then, and then <laughs> a, a stitch in time. Yeah. A stitch in time. <laughs> sorry. We, we, Jason, we are nerding out all over your show. I'm so oh, no, sorry. Hey, th- that, that's why, that's why this show is here. Right. Um, apparently there was another show called weird or what, uh, a TV series hosted by William Shatner. William Shatner. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a recent one. And in uh, the the human popsicle episode, uh, they also covered America's Stonehenge and the variety of explanations as to its origin. The human popsicle episode? Yeah. Of that sounds like your... that sounds like they did half an hour on Han Solo. The human <laughs> popsicle. <laughs> and, and also, it's briefly mentioned in uh, the X Files. Uh, uh, I can't remember if, the, if this was German or Dihan de Verlets. It's an X Files episode. I don't know which episode it is. Um, oh, season two, episode fourteen. So Mulder probably mentions it like at the beginning. So yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, looking at the Wikipedia thing, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but but they said that they realized that it was built in the 17th century. <laughs> That there was no, there was no mystery about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they wouldn't have known that at the, at the time when they were doing right. that. But, but this is a perfect example of when science gets involved, science mm-hmm. always finds the truth mm-hmm. or the, the falsity of it, right? And so somebody did some work on this and realized that it was just some mm-hmm. new Americans who did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I, I like this. It's right up in a uh, second paragraph of the Wikipedia on it. One viewpoint is a mixture of land use practices of local farmers in the 18th and 19th centuries and construction of structures by owner William Goodwin in the 1930s. Oh, so it's even later <laughs> from the <laughs> 1930s. Oh my God. Carbon date that my friend. <laughs> well, you just carbon date the charcoal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, related charcoal. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, 
Claims that the site has pre-Columbian European origins are regarded as controversial, possibly even pseudo-archaeological. <laughs> I have a feeling... I also have a feeling in this entire series, uh, the word pseudo is going to come up quite a bit. Yes. Or the prefix pseudo. Yes. That, that, um, again, just for Steve's benefit, I think that's some foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and shockingly, the, fi- the, the site was first dubbed Mystery Hill by William Goodwin, an insurance yeah. executive who purchased the area in 1937. Yeah. <sighs> Just the only thing left is to put dinosaurs, animatronic dinosaurs on the yes. site and we're good. <laughs> you know, that's that's all that's really need to be. But actually, you know what, Jason, as yes. compared to the first episode, I found mm-hmm. the first episode much more fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one. I found this one really dry. Yeah, you, you didn't have you, you didn't have a great cast of characters like in the first. No, there was one. no K. Where's K? Yeah, can we? I thought we could bury Kay in the Oracle <laughs> Chamber and see what happens. <laughs> if she got beamed out by aliens or something, we'll, we'll be back in we'll be back in a thousand years to see if you've aged. Yeah, thanks, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, so what have we learned from this episode? Well, I learned that there's a place that I'd never even heard of that uh, I would have wanted to go to until I found out it was built in the 1930s, and now I have absolutely no interest. So, <laughs> Ah, here, archaeologist Clive Runnels stated that if you've got a Bronze Age, Age site in, say, Great Britain near Stonehenge, you're going to find pottery, tools, evidence of burials, and hearths, and that no Bronze Age artifacts have ever been found there. In fact, no one has found a single artifact of European origin from that period anywhere in the New World. So, we, that's just completely debunked. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and can I just say one other thing that they did in this sure. episode that really that? bothers me? Is that they always use these underground, uh, underwater ruins mm-hmm. as some kind of uh, weird extraterrestrial or mystery that we don't know anything about. Mm. And it's like, okay, people, New Orleans went underwater in 2004. It, you know, it's not that long ago. It's possible. This is not a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> if you live on an island, there may be a chance you may be put under by, by the ocean. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, one of these things. It's just when, when these shows, when they always show those, it's like, this new mystery, it's Atlantis, it's, you know, what happened here? It's like, well, it's not really too far in our distant past when we realize what happens when a city gets, you know, mm-hmm. flooded. Right. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> Steve, any final thoughts on this episode? Um, Just don't trust authority figures. <laughs> oh, spoken like a true pinko. I like that. <laughs> Well, well, it's, it's just a thing that they kept like dropping Harvard, but but think of some of, and some of these names we'll probably over the course of, of the series get into people like Grover Krantz and Jeff Meldrum, who are sort of oh, well, Grover Krantz is dead now, but who are firm Bigfoot believers. Ah. Right? they they teach at universities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Krantz at Washington State University and Jeff Meldrum at Idaho State. Doctor Oz teaches at Columbia. 
And there have been questions about his uh, whole method, lots his stuff, right? Lots so, of questions, yes. Yeah, exactly. And so it's this idea that you just drop in the name Harvard, and suddenly that gives somebody a, a, a sense of authority, right? Mm-hmm. You know these sort of flash names like PhD, and you know, I'm, you know, I get that all the time that people assume things about me because I have a PhD. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, well, no, you, you, there are certain things that I'm an expert in because mm-hmm. I've studied them for thirty years. There are right. Lots of things I haven't studied for thirty years, <laughs> so I'm not an expert in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Steve, so, you're you're an expert in Colombo. That's all I really care about. I am. An expert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God, you you. T- you two and Stephanie would get along perfectly. I was probably watching Columbo at the same time that I was watching In Search of. So was Excellent. I. Yeah. yeah. I watched yeah. them both as a kid. So Yeah, it was it was Saturday night at seven o'clock for In Search of on yep. the on the on the Buffalo station. And yep. it was Sunday night with Columbo. Yeah. yeah. Being in Nova Scotia, we got our stations from Maine. So Yeah, I uh Oh, let's see. I think I think this was on ABC here. I'm not sure though. Yeah, I think it was on an um, independent UHF for you kids out there. UHF <laughs> station, uh, uh, channel 29, which was in Buffalo. Oh, that's right. It was us. Uh, it's syndicated. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which uh, which station it was on. It's been it's been so long. Uh, it might it might have even been on channel 43, preempted right. during Indians games. Uh, <laughs> that's all that, you know that's all i know um anyway, this whole episode made no sense whatsoever no just on any on any way sense shape or form <laughs> yeah it was basically just uh you know hey look we we have this really neat place you should come visit it and pay me money to to step on my property yeah absolutely we found charcoal so therefore minoans must have been here Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Anyway, Steve, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Um, on Twitter at Doc Pinko, D O C P I N K O. Excellent. And uh, Oliver, where can people Uh, find you? You can find me on Twitter at Oliver Oxide, and uh, also please. Look for our my new project uh, with co-host Aaron White as we review 20 years of Law and Order, and you can find that on Twitter at the 27th Precinct. Uh, use the numbers, not the uh, letters, and uh, uh, the 27 thprecinctcom Excellent. And you can follow this podcast at Illumini at Illuminati Pod on Twitter, <laughs> and uh, you can find the uh, you can find me at Alien CG on Twitter. And you could find uh, the show notes and everything uh, at aliencg.com slash ISC. Have a wonderful week, everyone. The next episode, uh, what is episode three? Ancient Aviators. Hey, I think we have our first uh, UFOs. Oh, yay. Yep. And, and we're going to talk about the Nazca markings. Oh, fun. Neat. Join us next week. Toodles, kids. See ya. Bye-bye.